Hi everyone, and welcome to the second edition of our podcast series, Decarbonisation in Conversation With. I'm really delighted to be joined by Damien Dumphy from DLL today. Damien is the Energy Transition Director at DLL, and we've got a really interesting chat lined up for you. I hope you enjoy. Damien, hi, and uh, are you alright just to tell us a little bit more about yourself and a little bit more about DLL before we get started? Yeah, absolutely. And good to see you, James. And, uh, you know, thank you for the invitation for this. I look forward to the session. So, um, yeah, hi, uh, Damon Dunphy joined uh, Delaga Landon, um, aka DLL, about a year ago now. Um, DLL is a truly global business backed by a very large 35 billion portfolio for um, the vendor business. So they launched a direct business about a year ago, which I joined really to engage with the direct uh, commercial community for businesses, large, uh, typically um, FTSE listed, turning over about 100 million plus um, to help with their finance requirements. And my role particularly is on the energy side. Um, So we're we're looking at energy systems and energy transition for those businesses. And uh, excitingly and unknown to me when I joined DLL, it's owned by Rabobank. Um, so that's another global business, um, food and agricultural um, business, probably the biggest in the, in the world. And we've got a large project finance team in the energy space as well, which was a, a nice surprise to me. Um, so, yeah, very happy to be here. Great stuff. Thanks for the for the intro, Damien. And uh, today I think we, we, we're we wanting to talk a little bit really around sort of the role of asset finance as part of the, the green transition. Yeah. Um, and um, and obviously that segue into the built environment, which you know, is responsible for 23% of the UK's carbon emissions and uh, about similar stats around the EU and more broadly. So um, how do you see the role of asset finance playing out in helping fund the decarbonisation of UK buildings, industrial buildings, commercial buildings and so on? What, what role do you think it has? I think um, a huge role, actually. I mean, there's... You know, no surprise that there, there isn't a lack of liquidity in the market, as we know. It's finding the, the right projects with the right risk profile. If you're lending to direct counterparty where a business wants to reduce their CO2 emissions and make themselves you know, more, more efficient, reduce their utility bills, maybe make the utility bills off balance sheet through some energy as a service model, um, then finance has a massive part to play. You know, think LED funding, think um, CHPs. Especially, you know, excitingly, CHPs will be able to run off hydrogen in the future when hydrogen is a viable commercial um, fuel. Um, I'm quite excited about that. District heating, um, HVAC, solar, battery storage, you know, all of these things everyone wants to fund because they're good assets. They last a a long time. Um, It's just getting that profile uh, for the risk balance right between you know what is acceptable and you know as a company trying to help these these businesses make that transition you know it's what's palatable for us in terms of that profile and you know that is open to debate whether there is you know policies and regulation that comes in and maybe some fiscal measures that help this transition and and accelerate it because by Joe, if we need to accelerate it some, um, if we're you know going to get anywhere near, um, I mean, people are talking about energy, but they're not talking about heat in particular, really. And we are woefully short of our heat target. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and in, in, in terms of the the sort of the bank's uh, sort of role in in the actual green financing, I mean, why do you think sort of 
DLL particularly are set up well to to you know to help from a green finance perspective. So DLL, you know, when I joined, I was quite surprised. It is you know a truly global business. It is multicultural. It is very diverse. The the skill sets and the blender skill sets lend themselves to having really strategic and in-depth conversations with clients and you know to understand a client you have to be part of that narrative and a part of that journey for their strategy it's not just you know a, a race to fund something uh, you know for the cheapest rate or the longest tenor it's really understanding you know how can we help this business grow and how can we evolve and grow with this business and their requirements um, and DLL has a, a huge pedigree, you know, with that already working with large manufacturers and businesses and, you know, they're all assessed from an ESG basis and, you know, DLL has you know, good guidance, um, it wants to do the right thing and, you know, for the majority of cases, if, if it is too risky, then it's actually just easier to walk away from that transaction. Yeah. Yeah. And just just kind of picking up on 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 ESG there and, you know, DLL and more widely uh, Rabo are, you know, really at the forefront now of the energy transition. It's a it's a key plank, really, of their of their future growth plans and the kind of businesses and banks that they want to be. Um, so how do banks sort of balance the risk of turning away from uh, brown assets, producing good returns that may be wrapping up in? You know, existing loans instruments when considering their their ESG commitments. So a bit of a spoiler alert there with the Rabobank. They have made the banking for energy transition their their third strategic pillar. Um, but um, I would answer that there's two ways. There's one is you've just got to be brave as an institution, um, and it does take you know that that level of thought in terms of how we're going to approach this. Is this right for our business? And you've really got to look internally about the direction of travel and how you are going to support businesses and what businesses you're going to support. I would overlay that with the general culture and the level of acceptance from customers and, you know, climate investors um, and all these people that, you know, are permeating to the top. And, you know, it's not acceptable now to, 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 to do this. There's a reason why the big oil companies are buying charging companies wind farms solar farms you know they're trying to de-risk and de i suppose the um co2 emit their businesses as quickly as possible um and you've just got to ensure that as a business that you put that lens over every transaction that you do and you know we do do that we have the esg filter and we have the you know is this in line with our principles um filter and um yeah it's 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 actually easier than you you think um it's not all, it's not all about the 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 coin at the end of the day yeah absolutely and and those uh, the sort of macro trends which are you know driving esg up the political agenda and so on are going to sort of be drawn together with the the cop later in the year um mm-hmm. you know some people will say that there's a lot of kind of political hot air going around but, but not <laughs> all kind of real action i i kind of wonder partly unfair because i i do think the political debates move forward a lot in even in the last year to 18 months but with the cop on the horizon um yeah. you know what, what do you hope to see coming out of the the event Glasgow, you know later in the year i think you're absolutely right in in what you say you know there, there are pockets of greatness 
you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of like the old film. There's the good, the bad and the ugly. And, you know, people have, mentally are, are wanting to do the right thing, but it's not in a cohesive manner. Um, the, 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 the sheer planning scale that is required is, you know, that was actually picked out by the Climate Change Committee as the single biggest risk to the UK getting to net zero. Not the liquidity, not the projects. It was it was the planning side, and you know, f- for me, you know, during what's been you know the largest pandemic that we're likely to see or have seen for you know hundreds of years globally, everyone has mobilised, everyone has come together, and I question why that's not happening with climate change. Personally, you know, because. If this was, you know, bring up analogy, for instance, if this was a hundred kilometer wide meteor that everyone on the planet, all the observatories agreed in a year or two would hit us, what do you think would happen? Everyone would mobilize, we would be, you know, coming together as a population because it's a tangible defined risk. Yeah. Climate change for people at the moment, well, not people, but in, in my view, is not tangible enough. But when you see, you know, I was talking to a colleague in Canada uh, day before yesterday, and it's nearly 50 degrees there. So one would think that, you know, that's a measure enough. Normally, you know, increases go up 0.1, 0.2 in terms of global warming, 5%. So, you know, what I would like to see is, is, you know, less flapping, less tongue wagging, and um, more action, you know, um, just, you know, hashtag just do it now would be the strap line I would add to that because we all know we've got to do it. There is, there is no second chance. So someone said to me the other, the other day, we are the first generation to experience climate change and we're the last generation that can do anything about it. I mean, yeah. just think about that. Yeah, it's a really, really good way to, to wrap up that real food for thought. So, uh, you know, it just remains to say, you know, um, Damien, um, Energy Transition Director at DLL, thanks very much indeed for your time. Uh, it's been really interesting talking to you. You too. Always good to catch up, James. Thank you. Take care.